my depth of knowledge has expanded more than somebody that has been doing the same old thing for five years or 10 years. Because Peter, it's so important for your growth to constantly be getting feedback. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 25, and my guest today is Kara North, who's a learning experience designer at The Ohio State University. She's also the president of the Central Ohio chapter of the Association for Talent Development. Now, I did not invite her to be a guest on this podcast because of her day job. I invited her to be a guest because, as she says, I love connecting others to people and opportunities. She loves networking, making connections, and creating opportunities. Now, I know a lot of you hate networking, and Kara will help to change your mindset. When people tell me that they hate networking, I tell them I blame their mothers. They get this really weird look on their face. Then I say, what did your mother always tell you? Never talk to strangers. Well, there are no strangers in business gatherings. There's only opportunities. Kara shares a number of tips and techniques on how to approach networking with a positive mindset. So before we get to the interview, I want to share with you, if you haven't heard already before in previous other episodes, that Change Your Mindset is now being distributed on C-Suite Radio. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Other than being the host of this podcast, I'm an author, a public speaking coach, and a professional speaker. My clients consist of accounting firms, finance and accounting departments, associations, and Fortune 500 companies. I've worked with sales teams, C-suite teams, engineers, and accounting and finance teams. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and think that I could add value as a speaker to an upcoming conference, please contact me at peter at petermargaritas.com and put in the subject line, CYM speaking opportunity. Now let's get to the interview with Kara North. Hey, welcome everybody. I got a very special guest today, my dear friend that we go back a whole maybe three, four five months, something like that. Please welcome Kara North. And thank you so very much for being a guest on my podcast today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Peter. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've, been, I've been looking forward to this. Kara and I met uh, through a mutual friend and we have to give a big shout out to Eddie Turner. So Eddie, I hope you're listening because your magic of networking 
is as strong as ever because we've actually kept in touch. Uh, we've met. Um, as I said in the bio, Kara is the president of the, is it Central Ohio or Columbus chapter of ATD? It's Central Ohio, Peter. That's right. Because, you know, uh, just Columbus itself is not big enough. We, we got to stretch it out to you know, the greater the greater Columbus area. And, and ATD, for my audience who may not know, what does ATD stand for? It's the Association for Talent and Development. You may know this. Um, they actually used to be, I think, once they five, six years ago, ASTD, but for obvious reasons, they dropped the S. <laughs> yes, I felt like you need to get a shot of some kind to attend the meeting uh, <laughs> for them. Yes. And, and, and you met Eddie at the National Conference in uh, um, October, I believe. Yeah, I was in Washington, D.C., and it was for all ATD chapter leaders. And I had been following Eddie on LinkedIn for a little while. Um, he happens to be, uh, used to be president of one of the biggest chapters and kind of the gold star of chapters in ATD. And when I saw him walk by, I was like, it's Eddie. And so I went up <laughs> and introduced myself to him. And um, I'm really glad that I did. And that kind of sparked our friendship. And then he invited me to come to the NSA um, conference that you guys had. And that's how I met you, Peter. Exactly. And, and come to find out, we have a lot more in common than, <clears throat> than just Eddie. Uh, we're both from the great state of Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky Wildcats. Exactly. And, and uh, that's right. And graduated from UK. And um, it's been a pleasure to get to get to know you. You're, you're very fascinating because, and, and I'll have people, I'll ask you to give your background, but you, you've got so many different facets to what you like to do. And if anybody wants to know what I mean is go to Kara and it's C-A-R-A North LinkedIn page and, and read her read her introduction and you'll go, oh, she's, yeah, this is kind of cool. Uh, I'm not going to read it for them. I'm going to let them go out and do that themselves. But, uh, and hopefully the people, your views, you'll get a report saying, man, you got like 250 new views this week. That's just for me because I've gone in a couple of times to reread it and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> so, it, give give the audience a, a, a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, I grew up in Eastern Kentucky, so I'm very proud of where I grew up, and my family still lives there. And um, I was one of those kids. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. At one point, I wanted to actually be a neurologist or neurosurgeon because I had a pretty significant horse accident when I was younger. And after that, I thought that that would be a great way to kind of give back after you know I recovered from this horse accident. But long story short, I found out there's this Thing called chemistry you need to go through. <laughs> I actually, um, another little side note is I have an eye phobia. I'm kind of afraid of eyeballs. So I figured that probably wouldn't be good for me to become a doctor. And so before I went to college, I kind of had, um, I'm going to call it a pre-quarter life crisis um, as a teenager, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I really thought about it. And I said, you know, I really like creative outlets. I like storytelling. I, I like writing. So what can I do with that? And then that's how I decided to go to the University of Kentucky and get a degree in journalism. And um, after I graduated undergrad, this amazing thing called the recession happened. <laughs> and, um, 
um, yeah, not the best time to graduate undergrad. And uh, I'm the first person in my family to uh, go to college and graduate. So my family was very supportive and proud of me. And I was really embarrassed because I couldn't find a job. And I thought there was something wrong with me. So I ended up moving back home um, to Eastern Kentucky to live with my parents. I hadn't been been there more than like a week, two weeks, something like that. And my parents actually got a newspaper subscription. Yes, old school newspaper. And it had a a help wanted ad saying that there were open interviews at a call center in Huntington, West Virginia, which was pretty close to where my parents uh, live, like kind of on the border of Kentucky and West Virginia there. And I'm a firm believer that Anything beats $0 an hour. So I went to the uh, unemployment office and I had my open interview and I walked out of there with a job. So I started working um, at a call center in Huntington, West Virginia. And I learned um, a lot working in a call center. It's a very interesting environment. Um, A lot of call centers are because there's a lot of turnover, a lot of, again, interesting people that work at call centers. But after I was there for about two to three months, they said, you know, you look like you are professional, you come to work on time, and you can fog a mirror. Would you like to be coding? <laughs> it wasn't quite like that, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit, you know, <laughs> in that, but, um, you know, I really was kind of second guessing, like, you want to promote me, but okay. So this role they promoted me to was a uh, call center quality analyst. And in this role, what I would do is I would coach people on the phones about scripts and different standards of the company. And long story short, one little tiny, tiny, tiny element of that was I got to train the new hires on the procedures. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I'll never forget, and this is 100% true story, the first time after I delivered my first training, well, first of all, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, straight up, I, I didn't know. Um, second, when I asked about it, they said, oh, you have like kind of creative uh, reign to kind of figure out how you want to share this information. After I did it the first time, even though I'm sure it was absolutely horrible, I walked away and I said, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. I love that. I love that. Not necessarily at that place, but I knew I liked training. So I stayed there for about another year. And as I stayed um, at the center, a lot of people were leaving that center to go work at another call center that they had just built right across the mountain for Amazon.com. And they said, you know, Kara, you need to come over here. This is great. We keep talking about how great of a, a trainer you are and how good you are. And long story short, I got I got an offer to come over to Amazon. So I started uh, working at Amazon in the Kindle department. And at that time, um, it was just the second generation Kindle moving into like the third generation Kindle. So it was still kind of a newer product. It was uh, still pretty expensive at that point for that particular product. And um, I really liked working there. And one day, um, I asked my manager who makes the training material because the training material was not fitting the needs of the new people coming in. We were seeing a shift in more of providing product support to actually like more kind of holistic support. And that happened when the Kindle went from having built-in data capabilities to Wi-Fi only. And so people just saw that the price went down by a hundred bucks. And so then people that already own Kindles were buying them for their their parents or their grandparents, aunt, uncle, cousin, etc. And so what was happening was we had this mass exodus of customers opening up these Kindles and they couldn't get them to work. 
And they were calling, you know, the person that bought them, hey, don't you have a Kindle? Don't you like it? Yeah, it's no problem. You just turn it on, put in your um, Amazon account, and then it works. So we got flooded with calls for people wanting to know what the password was. What are you talking about password? That's your Amazon account password. No, they didn't know what the Wi-Fi password was to get onto the network to connect it. And I'll never forget, I I listened to a call. And again, coming again from that customer service training that I had, um, this guy calls in and he said, you know, my Kindle is broken. Um, I think there's something wrong with it. He just got it like two days before. And I was said, well, sir, what's what's wrong with it? He said, well, my wifey's not working. And I immediately went into response of, you know, empathy. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that your wife is out of work. Oh, my old lady's been dead for years. I'm talking about this Kindle. Oh, okay, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> so long story short, I understood that wifey was actually Wi-Fi. But anyway, I promise this is coming around to a story, um, to, to a point. But um, <laughs> I asked my manager, I said, who makes this training material? Because we really need to get ahead of like this Wi-Fi issue. There's a lot of issues coming in. I don't see like training that I think is fitting the needs of people here on the floor. And he said, oh, it's the instructional design team. And they, um, yeah, you'd probably be pretty good at it. And I heard they're going to make an opening. Is that something you'd be interested in? And I said, sure. And I got the job. And so that's how I become an instructional designer at Amazon. Curiosity opens a lot of doors, friends. So yeah, yes, so that's, how, that's how I got my job at Amazon as an instructional designer. And that's where I got kind of my formative experience in learning training. And I loved it. I really had a great time in that job. But the one thing that I missed the most was I was behind a computer all the time yeah. building stuff. I didn't have that human interaction in more and I missed that. So I ended up uh, starting to work at an adult education center in Huntington, West Virginia as well to help adults that were looking to get back into the workforce, get computer skills, help them get back on their feet. And I loved that job. Absolutely loved it. So here I was doing Amazon and then I did the workforce development center. And about 2013, um, I fell in love with a guy in Ohio and I had to decision of what I wanted to do. And I ended up moving to the Columbus area. And I got a job here at the Ohio State University, where I've been in June. I'll be here for six years. Wow. Yeah. So I've been working at Ohio State um, for six years now. And um, one thing I love about Ohio State is, um, spoiler alert, you get free tuition when you work here. And um, that was definitely a selling point for me because I fell into this profession that I love so much. I wanted to go in and backfill my credentials. So in 2015, I earned my master's here in workforce development, and I'm on track to earn my PhD in learning technologies in the next couple of years. Yay for you. Uh, so then I'll have to call you doctor. Nah, yeah, just Dr. Kara. Kara. <laughs> no, just Kara. Just Kara. Just, just Kara. It, it, isn't it, it's not the Ohio State University. It's the... Ohio you got to put that little bit of a pause in there. The Ohio State University. It's uh, funny you say that. When I was uh, interviewed here, that was actually one of my questions because um, they always asked, do you have any questions for us? I said, why is it called The Ohio State University? And the person on my panel said it stands for tradition, history, and excellence. And I don't know if there's any truth <laughs> to that, but that's what, what I was told. Oh, that's my Ohio State uh, fans. Uh, if you listen to this, um, send, me a, send me an email. Let me know if, if, if Carrie just uncovered something that um, none of us knew about. And, and, and I assume it's true. That's pretty cool. So 
the thing the, the thing about you and you've said it already is your curiosity it, it doesn't a lot of people curiosity will stop them from doing something it's that that fear of failure you embrace curiosity in a different way of it's just you never know what's going to happen you never know what what door this is going to open yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up the fear of failure. I am the opposite of that. I embrace failure. I want to fail. I want to fall on my face. I want to get feedback. Hey, Kara, that was horrible because I'm going to have a pen and a paper and I'm be like, okay, what can I do to improve it? What can I do to improve it? Because in this profession that I'm in, I take learning very seriously because when I ask for somebody's time to learn something and I I haven't been keeping up with kind of learning and, and growing myself. I find that highly hypocritical. And honestly, I feel like it's my job to be a lifelong learner and actually embrace that. And I work at a university. I have no excuse in my mind to continue to grow and learn and innovate. So um, I'm really, like I said, fortunate to work here at the university. Um, they've been very, very good to me, very supportive of me in my career. And um, again, when I'm done with my doctorate, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's next for me. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not knowing right now. That The, the ability to embrace failure is very unique in so many ways because most people and and I was raised by uh, my, my father did not like mistakes he did not like failure but as you well know and we all well know that the only way to learn is to fail and I've said this a number of times on the podcast I, I may have even mentioned it to you when we had lunch that day I don't remember who it was said if you look at the word fail and make it an acronym it stands for first attempt in learning I love that and you know, I've got an 18 year old son, and I I said, Stephen, I want you to fail, not your classes, not your classes, but when you when you when you do fail at like if you forget to turn in a homework or something like that, I'm not going to get mad at you unless you do it all the time. Just ask you, what did you learn? What are you how are you going to change this? And I think that if we took this mantra and brought it into corporate America on a daily basis, we would be much more innovative. We'd be much more freer to share ideas. Unfortunately, in a lot of organizations, it's more they point fingers versus put their arm around and say, it's okay. What did you learn? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, you hit on a lot of important points there. Uh, for me, especially, I want to be around people that are smarter than me. Like that is what I strive for in my networks. That's what I strive for in my work life. It's what I strive for just for me to grow. Because again, I'm 100% okay, no ego saying I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I don't pretend to know everything. In, in the profession I'm in, there's no way you can be an expert, in my opinion, in everything. But I know if I get a question about X, I have someone in my network that can help me understand it. Um, I can contact a mentor of mine, etc. So for me, it's not about just like 
only my brain, but it's like, if you work with me, you don't just get me, but you get my network. And I think that's so much more powerful to an employer. I think it's so much more empower, powerful to the individual because again, it's, it, it's all about, you know, a high tide raises all boats. Like we're all in this together. We all want to do better. Everybody wants to feel valued. Everybody wants to be respected. And I feel like collaboration is the best way to do that a lot of times. So why do so many people hate the word networking? But they, I, you know, I, 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 I hate networks. I don't like to network. I, I, and I, I tell them I blame it on their mother, and they laugh. I mean, what do you mean blame it on my mother? I said, well, your mother always told you never talk to strangers. And when we go to when we, when we think about networking, well, I, there's a bunch of people I don't know. They're strangers. No, a stranger is somebody down at Ohio State with a bottle of Morgan David at the Ohio Stadium, looking at a lamppost, going, "Wow, you're awful tall." That's a stranger. But in a business environment, people that we don't know, that's an opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, especially, I think networking really kind of became important to me um, when I actually moved to Columbus. Um, when I worked at Amazon, I was very well supported and I didn't realize how good I had it until I left. And it's not to say that I haven't stayed in contact with the people that I worked with, but it's not like I could just send an instant message to somebody to ask their opinion or, or whatever. And I really struggled probably my first two years when I moved to Columbus. You can ask my husband. I, I just really, I just wasn't myself. I really like struggled like with my identity and who, who am I and, and everything. And um, then I just decided one day, I said, this is ridiculous. Like you have a lot to offer. This is something that you can get better at. And so that's how I got involved with Central Ohio ATD. I actually saw um, a, an event posting where I had followed that person that was speaking. His name is Mike Taylor. He happens to be a mentor of mine. And at that session, he was sitting there. And this was in March of 2016. I remember it. Um, I went and he made a comment saying that Twitter was the number one professional development tool. And I sat there and I was like, bull. I was like, who, <laughs> who cares? You know, I, I, who cares about Twitter? But the more he talked about it and he showed like relationships that he had built with people and how these people that were writing all these like really thought provoking things about the, the profession that I'm in, um, how he can just send them a tweet and they would respond back. I was really kind of intrigued by that. So finally about, Toward the end of his presentation, I was sitting there and I signed up for Twitter in his presentation. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, I told him, hey, I just want you to know, I believe in what you're saying. And I just signed up for Twitter and I want to learn more about your process. And he taught me his process. And fast forward to 2019, um, I use Twitter daily to talk to people all across the world that do the work that I do, have the same challenges that I do. And I feel like, especially since I've been more networked, that my depth of knowledge has expanded more than somebody that has been doing the same old thing for five years or 10 years because, Peter, it's so important to me and so important for your growth to constantly be getting 
feedback. I cannot stand it when somebody says, well, I've always done it that way for 10 years and that's just the way I'm going to, okay, well, what kind of evaluation data are you getting on that? Um, what is guiding that? Like, is this the same, is, are you talking to the same person for 10 years? Like, how's your audience change? Oh, well, um, I do it that way because I'm a master of this and I, I'm known for this. And I said, but again, are you getting evaluations? Are you growing? No, I, I, I know everything. Yeah, well, that's the problem. <laughs> say that, you really limit your opportunities, again, to grow. And if you want to learn, you have to kind of challenge your own boundaries and make yourself feel a little bit uncomfortable to grow. And people that have that mindset, I don't think that they're going to be well positioned in the next, especially um, 10 to 15 years in the workplace, because I, I think there's big, big changes coming soon that I think will impact that deep level of expertise. You're going to have to have a growth mindset to stay malleable and employable. At least that's my prediction. Yeah, I saw, I saw a meme once that said, um, your comfort zone is where all your dreams go to die. Getting outside your comfort zones where all your dreams come true. But we're so fearful. Uh, it goes back to risk. It goes back to fear. It goes back to fear, fear of failure on why we don't stretch ourselves at times. And when we stay in that comfort zone and we don't, we don't try to get out of it. And, and networking is one of those things that people don't like to do. Uh, and I've taught folks for, for years to go, what do I say? Hello, my name's Pete and your name is. And and they go, but I, you know, I'm so nervous and stuff. I'm like, well, just do this. You know, introduce yourself, have the other person introduce, it, and then you, before they can say anything, to you say, tell me about yourself. I don't know exactly. too many. I don't know too many people who, at a, at any type of like opportunity you have to network, that don't like to talk about themselves. And <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, somebody asked me, I like to talk about myself, and but but there's times that I go in, I go no. Tell me about you and just let them talk and then I can gather all this information and figure out what I'm going to say when it comes my turn and I don't have to, to lead that conversation. Um, and, and so you've talked about networking through Twitter, you network through LinkedIn, you network face-to-face. -face. You, you, you're doing all of that and it grows your career at a much quicker rate than doing it by yourself. And when you look at the president of Ohio State, you look at the governor, you look at the president, you look at uh, uh, CEOs of major organizations, they didn't get there without a network True. of people. Absolutely. So the more people that you know, and, and so we'll go back to Eddie. Uh, let me, I'll come back to Eddie here in a second, but which maybe you think about, well, when Eddie, he introduced us, said, so, you, know, you guys, you know, you came to the meeting, we talked and stuff. We said that we're going to connect. Uh, there's another gentleman. His name is Merle Heckman. Merle is out of, out of Northern Kentucky. He's an organizational development guy. Uh, he's a member of the National Speakers Association. And recently, he said, Pete, there's a couple people I think that you would like to meet. One guy, he's in Cincinnati. And another guy's in St. Louis. And two Sundays ago, I was happened since night, met up with the one guy. And then... This past week, I was in St. Louis and met this other guy for breakfast. Great guys. Would have never have known them if it wasn't the, the, I had a facilitator who's doing that. And as I left both of those meetings, I went, I need to start introducing more people that I know to people that might be able to help them along the way as well. 
Yeah, and um, the term mentoring and the way you make connections with people, um, one thing that I've heard many people say that I don't necessarily agree with is, you know, a mentor should be like senior to you or have like whatever. I think mentoring should be a mutually beneficial relationship. So even if somebody has a little bit more experience, why can't you learn from that person, your junior, on how to approach a certain problem or how to use a new technology? Technology or how to do whatever. And I think that by having these kind of informal chats with over breakfast or having mm. somebody introduce yourself, it, it really kind of also kind of keeps, I think, the egos in check a little bit. So it's not that somebody's bringing their title to that conversation. Mm. It's more, oh, you know X. Because you know X, then I trust X's opinion of you. So it's like you don't have to kind of have like the, that like clash and battle of the Titans that I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in sometimes. And mm-hmm. again, when you said, oh, I'm going to call you Dr. North or Dr. Kara, it's like, no, I'm just, I'm just Kara. Like, I, you know, I'm yeah. doing it because I love to learn and I love knowledge. I'm not doing it for any other reason except that. Yeah, yeah, and you you said the magic word ego, and ego gets in the way a lot of times. But when you're networking, because I'm so important, and I know this much and that much, and it's like you do, but you're also a human being, and you know uh, we all put on our pants and, and put on our skirts and the same way. So why can't why can't we drop the ego and say what could I learn from this individual? Uh, we're not going to connect with everybody. There's some there's some people that I've met that. I have a hard time ma- maintaining a conversation with. But then there's some people like yourself that we were going to meet, what, for like 30 minutes for lunch. Uh, <laughs> and it was like an hour and a half later. And I went, I'm like, you got to get back to work. And, and I went, I'm, I'm self-employed, so I can you know, goof off for the rest of the day. But <laughs> it, it was just great conversation. And, and same thing the first time I met Eddie, a, a mutual friend. Uh, Bob Dean had mentioned, you really need to meet this guy. And... and connected us through social media, but we finally had a chance to meet and another great guy. It's, it's just the power of networking. If, if people would understand, there is a lot of power in the people that you know that can get you to where you need to go and you have a resource, especially if somebody shows up and you lose your job. I had a gentleman come up to me. He was a CFO of a company, been there for something like 30 years and there was a merger and he was let go. And he goes, Pete, I have not worked on my network for 30 years. I don't know what to do. What advice do you give me? I said, go home, get a legal pad of paper, and just start writing on all the people you know, and then contact them. Yeah, and I think that's really solid advice. And it's not, unfortunately, I feel like in, in this day and age, it's not if, but when. I mean, <laughs> everybody, unfortunately, we are replaceable. And being able to make sure that your resume is up to date, that you're up to date in the skills and your whatever your profession are. I mean, it's absolutely critical because you just never know. I mean, you just never know. You mean instead of resume, keep your LinkedIn profile up to date? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know. So as I as I shared with you, I I don't have the exact stats on this, but I think a vast majority of my audience are CPAs. And this time of year, they're busy. And and they don't have time to work on the network. However, come April 15th, when it's like, you know, when the CPA season shadow, busy season's over, because they actually see sunlight again, 
they need to start working on that network almost on a to some degree on a daily basis. And, and networking is also networking within your organization too. Sure. And maybe one thing that they could potentially do is even though your client is not a fellow CPA, your client can help bring you more business more than likely. So, I mean, just even something like after the end of the season, just sending like a quick note, a message, whatever, through either Twitter, LinkedIn, however you're connected with your client saying, hey, well, we made it. Thanks for choosing me. Um, would you recommend me to somebody else? Is there anything else I can do? And again, constantly getting feedback on your services, the way you present yourself. People, a lot of times, they, if you ask for candid feedback, they'll give it to you. And you have to be ready to take it. Um, <laughs> But with that being said, if somebody thinks that about you, they're probably not the only person that does. So if you hear something like that, think about maybe what it might mean in the bigger scale of things. Um, Because for me, I've gotten feedback a lot of times that I am way too hyperactive and energetic in whatever it is that I'm doing, like if I'm doing a presentation. And I know this and I try to keep it in check a lot of times, but... I love what I do. I genuinely love what I do. And it comes across a lot of times as just being hyper, but I promise I think it's passion most of the time. So just, but, but knowing that about myself, I've had to be a little bit more careful in the way that I present myself at, at, industry events and that kind of thing. I've always thought since I've known you that you're really kind of a mellow, kind of laissez-faire type of individual who, yeah, that's sarcasm. <laughs> what? <to say>, <laughs> yes, but you, yes, you do have a lot of passion and, and but you're willing to take that feedback. A lot of people, I, and, I, and I watch this, and I think we're all guilty of this to some degree. We're getting feedback from somebody and then we get defensive. And we start, you know, kind of not kind of making excuses why or giving rationale why, when that's really not what we should be doing. We should just be taking it in, and, and nothing personal. That if you, especially if you solicited it, and, and just park it and, and and figure out what. Okay, so okay, and like you said, maybe if, if one person's saying it, there's probably got to be a few more. Ask. And um, one thing that I do, because again, I'm telling you this, but it's easier said than done a lot of times. I have certainly had my feelings hurt and I've been defensive a lot of times about some of the feedback that I've gotten. But luckily for me, I have two people in particular in my network, one that's known me for about three years and one that actually worked with me at Amazon. And both of them um, are just very objective people. Um, They have the gift of seeing more than one side and they never Mm -hmm. take sides on things. And so when I get stuff like that, I'm calling both of them them up and saying, Hey guys, I got this feedback. Can you help me unpack it and make sense of it to me? And every single time they say, well, you know, they probably meant this. And when you did this, it was received as this. And have you thought about this? They helped me see that vision that I don't see because we're human. And a lot of times, especially when it's mm-hmm. something about ourselves, we do take it personally, right? Right. And, and you just you know, mentioned something. What is our blind spot? What what is it that we don't don't know? Uh, a, a gentleman in our chapter, Brian Wagner, was talking about the Kobashi. Oh, I, I have to find it. But basically, figuring out 
what do other people know about you that you don't know about you? So what is that blind spot in your leadership style? What's that blind spot in your daily interaction that other people are seeing and we aren't seeing? And go out and ask people for that feedback and then look at it and go, okay, I, how can I fix it? And I love what you just said. You've got people that you can turn to and say, help me with this. What do I do with this? How do I unpackage it and then package it back together again? And it took me a while to get there. Um, again, this is something that just didn't have, you know, it, it took me a, a long time to get there because immediately I would have that defensive reaction to it. Like, well, who are you? Who, why are you telling me this? You know, what, what are you doing? Um, but then I realized that my plan and where I'd like to go, I love meeting people in this profession. I love continually um, presenting and talking about things from a practitioner perspective. And I knew I was going to go nowhere fast if I had thin skin. I had to toughen myself up. And by doing that and by identifying, again, values that I have in my network that I certainly don't have and leaning on them uh, for support, it's really helped me. Yeah, it, it, it does. And very lucky to have that. I, as you were saying, I was trying to think of the people who I would turn to in a situation like that. And so I think after after this podcast, I need to sit down. Other than my wife is to sit down and go, who could help me unpack and pack some feedback that I get from others and, and help me under understand it a, a, a lot better than maybe that initial like, oh my God, really? That's great advice is to, is to find those people around you that you can turn to and also find those people that when you, when you, when you feel that fear, that can just push you a little bit to put you in that uncomfortable zone because that's where the magic is. And I will add a third element to that. I think it's super important to have your cheerleading squad with you too. So yesterday is a great example. I did a presentation here at Ohio State and I live streamed it on top of presenting it here. So I was a one woman show. I was presenting in front of a crowd here. Um, at the college. And then I was also on my computer trying to simultaneously live stream it, share my screen so the people in the live stream could see it. The people could see it in the room with the different projectors going on. And there were things looking back now that I'm like, man, I should have done that differently. And I wish I would have uh, done it, maybe set it up this way. But the fact that I had people that I call my cheer squad that mm -hmm. support me ferociously, no matter what. And it's reciprocated anytime they do anything. I'm in there cheering them on. I uh, share the things that they do on Twitter and LinkedIn. You know, it really kind of helped me feel a little bit better about it. And for the people that didn't know that, they're like, man, Kara, like, look at you. Like, all these people are really into it. And I said, yeah. But I mean, they did like it too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it also kind of, gave like a persona or filled that, you know, there was like this really big kind of crowd b behind me. And again, while I did have people cheering for me and I appreciate all the support of people that, that I get, um, I definitely reciprocate that because um, we've all been there where we feel a little bit awkward and something that we're doing and just want a friendly face or somebody that's not going to make fun of us or give us a hard time if we goof because... To me, I think that's the most endearing thing about presentations and talking. It's about the authenticity of being human. And I think a lot of times people are 
very scared of that, especially people that I think get nervous about talking to people. They're like, oh, well, what if I make a fool of myself? Guaranteed the only person that thinks that you're a fool is probably yourself. That person probably doesn't think anything about that because they have a hundred other things probably on their mind as they're talking to you. So um, don't be afraid of that. Yeah, somebody has to say, what if I say something stupid when I'm out networking, I went, if I had a dollar for every time I said something stupid, I'd have like $500 or something oh, like great. that. Daily yeah. for me. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to work a day in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, we do kind of say, because so, there's a little bit of the nerves and stuff when you first meet somebody. And yeah, you, you do say, and if it's something just bad, you, I, I, I don't remember what it was. And if I did, I don't think I'd share it on my podcast. But uh, I, I said something really stupid and I just realized it was really stupid. And I just went, it's time for me to leave. And I just walked away from everybody. And, and, and yeah, I know they were making fun of me and they were talking about me, but you know, I probably deserved it and just went, okay, that's something I will never do again. Yeah. And um, one thing that when I talk to people, especially people that I encourage to get on social media like LinkedIn and Twitter, they say, well, I don't know. I, one, I don't think I have anything to share. And two, like, I don't want everyone all up in my business, like yeah. if I'm on Twitter or LinkedIn. And I always try to tell them that in my mind, there's a difference between authenticity and transparency. So for authenticity, it is about that human element. What makes you you? Like that mm -hmm. DNA, like what, what's your secret sauce? Like what makes you you? But with transparency, it is the degree of which you share something. So great example, Pete, we have a pretty decent relationship, but I mean, we're not... We haven't known each other for a very long time. So right. I may not tell you something about if my cat got sick or something mm -hmm. like that, but I would definitely tell a friend of mine that's had interactions with my cat. Now, does that mean I'm not authentic with you if I don't tell you that? No, it just mm -hmm. means that we have a different level of our relationship. We have a different transparency level mm -hmm. in that. The exact same, I feel like, when it comes to Twitter and LinkedIn, you don't have to share personal details of your kids or what you ate today or anything like that. <laughs> but you can share um, your perspectives of the profession that you're in, and it's super easy to get started. Everyone is reading Harvard Business Review and all of these things that people share on a day-in-day -day basis. Feel free to reshare that. And put your insights in there. That's a great way to get started. You know, this is what this looks like at my company. Or, you know, I haven't experienced this myself. But I'm curious if other people have experienced it. Some of my uh, biggest posts on LinkedIn, I had one um, two weeks ago that reached 100,000 views, which blew my mind. What? And yeah, 100,000 views. And it was just, I had a picture of an e-learning module that had uh, something on it about force navigation, like a force navigation tutorial showing you where all the buttons is. And my question was, why are we still doing this? Is this still needed in today's e-learning? Mm. It, it started this big conversation. Some people are like, yes, it's still needed for accessibility. But yeah, so I really started this big, robust conversation about it. And Legitimately, I was just asking a question. So um, don't be afraid to uh, get in there. And I feel like especially for Twitter and LinkedIn, it's a great way to start building your brand because the first thing somebody's going to do after they meet you is they're going to Google you. And you have control of that conversation. What you put out there, you can control the narrative of what they see. So why would you not want to control that? Right. And, and 
the other thing I like about LinkedIn is you can actually post articles. You, you can write an yes. article, you can post an article. Uh, in full transparency, I, when I was writing my book, I did not do as much posting on LinkedIn and stuff because I was putting this book together. So today, for the first time, I put an article out there on on LinkedIn, and, and I realized it's been it's been about two years since I had posted anything. And I immediately I got about six or seven people liking the article. And obviously, I'll be able to go back and look at the stats on the post and see who liked it and and get some information on it. But that's something that I'm doing, starting to do, wanting to do at least once a week, post an article in LinkedIn. And and I think this this it was only three hundred words. It wasn't you know anything of you know it wasn't a page, and I was barely like three quarters of a page, Uh, but just enough to start getting back and, and helping to grow that network because there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that, that read these articles. And the biggest one that I ever had was I wrote something about my son uh, being a type 1 diabetic and about the signs of it. And I posted on LinkedIn and, and I don't remember how many views that it had, but it was over a thousand at least at the time. Um, and that just that's another way of getting that exposure out there. And again, going back to the kind of conversation about authenticity and transparency, you felt comfortable enough to share that information because you thought there might be other people that would like to know about it. But it screams, hey, this guy is not just some robot with a picture with a tie on. This is a real human being that is dealing with a lot of different things in their life. A, ro- a robot with a tie on. <laughs> I like that. You know, I <laughs> Has their nice little headshot with their fancy tie. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get beyond that. You need to actually get to know the person, I feel like. Exactly. So what I, what I want everybody to do is one, go out and, and, and look at Kara's LinkedIn page. And we'll, I'll, I'll let her give you the, the answer to this question because she has it on a LinkedIn page. Kara, what is your superpower? Connecting people to possibilities. So if you would like to connect with Kara, you can find her on LinkedIn. Uh, and it's C-A-R-A and then the last name North. Like that. And then the number 11, like I won one. I okay. won one. I won something finally. Uh-huh. And, and uh, your Twitter handle is? Kara North 11. Kara North 11. Okay. Um, what, what are the social networks you're on? You're on Facebook? Um, yeah, Facebook's more for sharing pictures of my cat and same with Instagram. Okay. Um, but I mostly use Twitter and LinkedIn. I actually do uh, Facebook sabbaticals during the school year because I just can't, don't have time to keep up with everything. So I say, Hey guys, I'm gone for a few months. I'll be back in May. So, <laughs> okay, cool. So reach out to Kara and, and, and think about this as you, as you're listening to this, whether you're working out or on your drive uh, to and from work, how can you begin to start growing your network? What do you need to do? And, and what, where, where could you get out of your comfort zone? And the challenge of this is one to find some quiet time uh, at your kitchen table. And just take 10 minutes and write some ideas down. But the key here is follow through. Follow through and and make sure you do it. Uh, Kara, I can't thank you enough for spending time with me this afternoon. It's it's great. I I love our conversations. I'm looking forward to more of them in in the near future. And especially I want want to hear 
that day when you can say that I've got my doctoral degree and, and, and you don't have to call me doctor, but just one time you can call me doctor. Okay, fair enough. Still. <laughs> so thank you very much. Loved having you. And uh, it's been a great conversation. You gave us a lot of great nuggets. I hope my audience takes these things and runs with them and, and can improve their networking abilities far beyond their wildest beliefs. Now that you've listened to this episode, what are your next steps in becoming a better networker? Is it changing your mindset? Is it not sitting or standing with your office friends and meeting new people? Is it breaking through your shyness and comfort zone to explore possibilities? Whatever it is, just do it. The one thing I do know about networking, if you want to grow your career or your business, you need others to help. And this is the part of the power of having a good professional network. So get out there, network, and grow your career and grow your business. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Also, please visit www.c-sweetradio.com and listen to the many of the outstanding podcasts that they have in their network. Bye now. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.